0: If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for
1: you. Every week we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not so great content on Disney Plus as well.
0: As two lifelong Star Wars fans we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show
1: and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney, P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says That's a podcast.
0: Do you like
1: sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak.
0: And welcome to episode 269 of the Sports Yak podcast.
1: Now, 269 to me, Corey, means the area code for Southwest Michigan. So we dedicate this episode to the greatest athlete ever to reside in Southwest Michigan, Muhammad Ali
0: oh nice very nice Chuck Freeby Berrien Springs Michigan the former home of one Al Capone back in the day yes he liked to uh, he wanted to live next to a body of water for an easy escape in his boat in case the home was um, ransacked by the authorities and so that home was available later yes it was I remember uh, going up there in 2001, I think it was, 2000, 2001, and uh, Muhammad had just put a new basketball court in the backyard for his youngest son, and the basketball court, and you might remember this, was completely Michigan State. One giant Spartan logo in the middle, beautiful court, and who would christen that court for that young man's birthday? Tom Izzo and the entire Michigan State Spartan basketball team. Wow. Held practice in the backyard for this young man. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, Muhammad's, he's got some numbers, he knows some people. He's got some cachet. He can uh, make a phone call or two, so. You spent
1: quite a bit of time with him, didn't
0: you? Yeah, I i really should jot down, because as the time goes by, the stories are almost a little bit too unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But there was a three, four-year period there where I was at the house probably once or twice a month. Um, he had an office with a whole staff. Then he had another, uh, like a full uh, gym workout facility with a boxing ring inside and an enormous amount of paraphernalia, memorabilia. And they didn't know what to do with him during the day. When he wasn't either traveling because of something, he'd kind of he'd kind of get in your way. uh-huh. And so I became the, hey, come up here and do something with him, whether it was watch a movie. Um, they had an entire uh a second floor below that was all autograph stuff people would send. And so he had a a workbench that he would either sign or they had a machine that was considered. His signature, and if he was in the presence of the machine, that was considered a two because you never knew what kind of day he was having. Yeah,
1: he had Parkinson's disease, therefore he had tremors.
0: So I would, uh, one lady would say, All right, Corey, go to uh, aisle number three up on the second shelf and bring this. I'd bring it over, and he would decide either I'm going to sign the boxing glove or I'll have the machine do it. And we would do that for hours. And in between there, he'd tell me little stories and little. You know, or I'd ask him a question to kind of get him rolling on stuff. But, yeah, we we went to Chicago together for the Ali premiere. Uh, he he and uh, his wife allowed us to do it down the street here at um, Showplace 16. Okay. We did, we did a fundraiser way back in the day. Um, one time he had the Berrien Springs High School Choir come and do a whole Christmas show for his staff. Nice. And he catered a, a really great meal. But it was, yeah, it's it's like, did that really happen? It sounds a little crazy. The greatest boxing athlete of all time, and 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 me. Family Broadcasting Corporation, well, the going wild. in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents oh, sports Yak. Oh, One host knows sports, and who's right there. The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here.
1: And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer.
0: This one will be relived.
1: Chuck Freebie. Forever. So 269, we're thinking of you, Southwest Michigan. Oh. Now that you get to start playing football again, that's yeah, great. Yeah, wow. How about that? When's the date that that fires up? January 2nd will be the first games. Okay. So they're, they have begun practice now. So teams like Lakeshore, Edwardsburg will try to resume their tourney runs.
0: Let's uh, fire this episode up by saying rough weekend for the
1: Irish. All around in just about every sport. But, of course, football is the one that most people are talking about around here. And the ACC championship game, quite frankly, was a really dud. Notre Dame had opportunities early in this game and failed to cash them in. Opening drive, they wind up having to settle for a field goal. Jonathan Doerr kicks that one in from 52 yards. They drive again. They're really close to the end zone. After a interception of Trevor Lawrence, they're in position, and Jonathan Door doinks one off the upright. And then the third drive of the game, they go for it on fourth down, trailing 7-3. Avery Davis is cutting across the middle open. And for whatever reason, Avery Davis doesn't really slow down for Ian Book, and Book winds up throwing it behind him. And that drive fizzles. You could have had 21 points in those three drives. You come away with three, and you do that against a team like Clemson, you're going to pay a price. And the Irish did in the second quarter. Game got away from them, and they wind up losing this one by a count of 34-10. So, 10-1, and one, and of didn't take long for the fandom to turn on this Notre Dame team real quick <laughs> based on the comments section. And so everybody started wondering, well, is Notre Dame going to fall out of the college football playoff? We had heard that, you know, they were pretty much a lock, even if they lost to Clemson. But nobody anticipated them losing to Clemson by 24 points. So now the Texas A&M faction was saying, hey – You know, we lost to Alabama, but we lost early. We've won seven in a row. We play in the SEC. We think we're every bit as good as Notre Dame. What saved Notre Dame's bacon in terms of the playoff committee was the fact that not only had they beaten Clemson once already this year, and granted it was without Trevor Lawrence, but they still beat Clemson. The win over North Carolina on Thanksgiving Friday – reaped huge dividends for the Irish because Carolina turned around and beat Miami like a drum the following week, and Carolina became a very highly regarded team over the course of the season. That helped Notre Dame tremendously because this committee didn't seem to look at losses as much as wins. Who did you beat? Who were you capable of beating? So, Notre Dame makes the college football playoff.
0: Out of curiosity, and I don't consider it a tirade, but just a very vocal West Coast playoff game doesn't help our fan base. Do you think that helped make this committee decide, all right, let's move the game to Texas?
1: I, there were things going on before Brian Kelly had that tirade. Okay. The college football playoff committee had applied for a waiver not once but twice to the state of California to allow some fans into the Rose Bowl. Now, the state of California was just adamant, no, the pandemic is at such a point out here that we don't want anybody coming in. Well, with that being the case, and yes, the tirade helped make the point on Friday, not only from Brian Kelly, but from Dabo Sweeney, that the Rose Bowl moved the game to Dallas, Texas. It will still be called the Rose Bowl, but it will be played in Dallas, Texas. There is a precedent in World War II. The Rose Bowl was moved, too, because there were still fears in California about the proximity to Japan, the fact that Hawaii had already been hit in a bombing raid, uh, what would happen in Southern California. So the game was moved to uh, actually the campus of Duke University, and the Rose Bowl was played at Duke in 1943. I believe. Wow. So there is a precedent for moving the game. And this time they moved it to Dallas because they could have 20% capacity of the Cowboys Stadium, which allows 16,000 fans to show up. And then the Rose Bowl, then the playoff committee said, well, Alabama, would you rather have 16,000 fans to see you in the Rose Bowl? Or would you rather have 3,000 who can see you at the Sugar Bowl? And Alabama said, we'll take the 16,000. And so that's why Alabama and Notre Dame will play the Rose Bowl. For the first time in 95 years, Notre Dame's going to the Rose Bowl, but it's in Dallas, Texas. And the parents and the families will be able to go see the the young men play. Is that a New Year's Day bowl? New Year's Day, 4 p.m. It's on ESPN. Okay. Okay. Um, Notre Dame is a major underdog in this game. I've seen opening lines anywhere between 17.5 to 20.5 point underdog. Nobody expects Notre Dame to do well in this game. Alabama is a prohibitive favorite. In fact, if you were wagering on the playoffs, Alabama is a 1-2 to two favorite to win the national title. In other words, you would have to plunk down $2 to make $1. They're, they're an incredible football team to watch. Now, they do give up points. Florida put 46 on the board against them in the SEC championship game. But nobody's held Alabama below 38 points this year. Nobody. So you take a look at Mac Jones, their quarterback, Heisman candidate. So is their wide receiver, Devontae Smith. I don't have any idea how you cover that man. He's been open all season long. And then they've got Najee Harris, a terrific running back. I mean, they just can beat you in every phase offensively, and they've been incredibly productive this year. So Clark Lee's got his hands full because if he had problems stopping Clemson, and he did for a half, he's going to have problems stopping Alabama, which means that Notre Dame, if they're going to win that football game, they've got to play a ball-control offense. That the best way that you can keep Alabama out of the end zone is to not let them have the ball. So in Notre Dame's ideal world, they would li- love to have 80-yard marches that take about seven and a half minutes off the clock and reduce the number of possessions in the game. That's their best shot. I don't know if they can do that against Alabama or not. Last
0: time Notre Dame played Alabama in a game like this, 2012? Yeah, and it didn't go well. Last time I made a bet on a game was that game. Mm -hmm. And I made another one yesterday morning with my friend Grant, who likes Alabama like Regis loved Notre Dame. Okay.
1: so Did he at least give you the points?
0: uh, It's just a straight up, if Alabama wins, I've got to do this. If Notre Dame wins, he's got to do that.
1: I would plan on doing this if I were you. (laughs) But I'm all about the underdog. I love those stories. And, you know, people say, <clears throat> people blame Brian Kelly. They blame, it, it, there's an entirely different culture at places like Alabama and Clemson. And it doesn't make them bad schools. But if you're a recruit and you visit Alabama and or Clemson and you see their facilities, and then you come to Notre Dame and you see Notre Dame's facilities, you're going to go to Alabama or Clemson. There's
0: still that much of a difference.
1: There is. Now, am I saying that Notre Dame should change the way they do things? No. But I think people have to be realistic. I mean, it. it's unbelievable what social media unveils about people and their ideas and thoughts of... If people held themselves to the same standards that they hold college football coaches or players to or pro football coaches or players to, uh, people would be extremely disappointed in themselves because there's no way that some of these people in their own lives are reaching the successes that some of these other people have. Mm.
0: Well, let's go uh, What other part of the state. There's
1: another team going to a bowl game, right? Ball State and IU are both going to bowl games. Ball State punched its ticket Friday night. They won the Mid-America Conference Championship. They upset Buffalo. And so they're going to the Arizona Bowl to play San Jose State, the champions of the Mountain West Conference. Okay, That'll be on New Year's Eve, 2 o'clock. I think it's on CBS Sports Network. They might move it to CBS since there's no Sun Bowl this year. Indiana Indiana raised the ire of a lot of people yesterday. The playoff committee, I should say, raised the ire of a lot of people yesterday for their handling of Indiana. Indiana was ranked 7th in the final AP poll. They That's were, been a long time, hasn't it? Yeah. They were ranked 11th by the college football playoff committee who put a number of two or three lost teams ahead of Indiana in its ranking. Now, 11, when you think about it, there's six New Year's Day bowl games. The first four, those are the playoff committee. So 5 through 12, if you just took the teams in 5 through 12 and, and put them into these other bowl games, you would fill the New Year's 6. Now, it's not that simple because the Pac-12 gets a spot at the table, and their conference champion is Oregon, who's ranked number 25. So Oregon was going to go to the Fiesta Bowl no matter what. So that takes a slot away. Then for some reason, uh, the playoff committee thought an Iowa State team that lost three games, one of them to Louisiana by 18 at home in its season opener, was better than Indiana. So they put Iowa State in the Fiesta Bowl against Oregon. They also took that North Carolina team that we talked about which was ranked below Indiana and put them in the Orange Bowl against number 5 Texas A&M. So Indiana did not get any kind of respect for its 6 and 1 record. Now, again, insight into the playoff committee. They looked at who teams beat and that's why they selected a Notre Dame because of who they beat. They gave Ohio State credit for beating Indiana and Northwestern, but they didn't give Indiana any credit for a seven-point loss to Ohio State. And in fact, when the playoff committee chairman was asked about Indiana, he gave the response, well, the committee really enjoyed watching the Hoosiers this year which is akin to saying uh, a blind date has good personality. I mean, it was the most, never mind the fact that the program's making history, never mind the fact that they've got a dynamic head coach, Tom Allen, who can get people to run through brick walls. Never mind any of that. They just kind of poo-pooed the Hoosiers. So then people thought, okay, well, Indiana will certainly go to the Citrus Bowl because they're the second-best team in the Big Ten. No, the team that went to the Citrus Bowl was Northwestern, and they'll go play Auburn. So Indiana is going to the Outback Bowl in Tampa, Florida on January 2nd, and they're playing Mississippi. Mississippi was 4-5 and five this year. And a lot of people around the IU program really feel like this is an insult. Their former athletic director, Fred Glass, went off. And he's in a position to do that now because there's no repercussions for Fred Glass. He's no longer employed by IU. He can say what he wants. But he's been around the block, and he has an idea of what's going on. He says there's people in the he, – he really feels like the Big Ten – and the Big Ten had people on that playoff committee. The chair of the playoff committee is from Iowa. And he feels like the Big Ten is trying to hold down the Indiana program, that they don't want the Indiana program to be successful, that they feel like IU is a threat. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's, that's his feeling. Tom Allen, of course, classy as always. He's fired up about going to the Outback Bowl. Get another win. He loves his team. He said all the right things. But it does make you wonder, and if you wonder that much about Indiana, what about Cincinnati? Cincinnati is sitting there. They've won all their games. They beat three top 25 teams this year. They have the number one scoring defense in the nation, and they couldn't even finish in the top six of the playoff rankings because... They're not one of the Power Five conferences. College football is the only sport I can think of where you can go undefeated during your season and not really get a chance to compete for the championship. So I think the sport itself has a lot to look at here during the offseason about how this committee handles things, whether they want to continue with the committee, whether they want to expand the playoff structure, or whether these Power Five schools are just going to separate. If they're just going to go and do their own thing for football and separate away from the NCAA. Because part of the problem here, Corey, is if we're talking about that basketball tournament, that 68-team basketball tournament, the NCAA controls that. That is the NCAA tournament. The college football playoff is not regulated by the NCAA. It is just some separate thing. Why the NCAA does not want to conduct a championship at the top level of its most visible sport is absolutely mind-boggling. I can't think of, I can't think of any other thing that works that way. So listening to you
0: speak, when you say that, you know, hopefully they get together in the offseason and discuss all this, who has final say, who can draw a line in the sand of authority and say, this is not working, this is what we're going to do now?
1: The NCAA would have to intervene, because right now it's up to the conferences. The conferences all collaborate. Well, it's in the best interest of the Power Five conferences to keep everybody else out. They don't want Cincinnati in there. They don't want Coastal Carolina in there because they can only get embarrassed. The NCAA would have to step up and say, we're taking control of this thing. Mm. And I don't know that there's anybody at the NCAA that has enough vision or leadership to do that. Okay. So that's that's what makes it really sad is for kids like the kids who play at Cincinnati who did everything. Everything exactly that was asked of them this year. You won all your games. You beat top 25 teams. You didn't have the opportunity to play out of conference to impress anybody that way. And your defense was as good as anybody's defense in the country. Sorry. You'll just get dispatched to, you'll, we'll give you a New Year's Day bowl. We'll, we'll let you play a New Year's Day bowl. You can play in the Peach Bowl against Georgia in their home state. There's your reward. Come on. So, Jim, who asked me at church yesterday if I was going to be salty about something, yeah.
0: Yeah, I am. And there it is. <sighs> bowl season starts
1: today, do I see in your yes. notes? The Myr- Aren't you fired up for the Myrtle Beach Bowl? Don't you have the DVR set for Appalachian State, North Texas? You know yeah. I don't. Okay. <laughs> Here's another problem with the bowl system. So with this pandemic this year, normally, normally there's a rule that you have to go 500 or better to go to a bowl game. But because of the pandemic this year, they waived that rule. And then lots of teams opted out. And I can understand why. Because typically a bowl game is a reward for a great season. And part of that reward is you go about a week early to some nice warm place, you hang out, you have fun, they give you swag, it's it's a good time for the players. It's loose, and yeah, you play this extra game, may not mean all that much, but you get to have a good time. Well, this year you can't do any of those things. And so if you're... USC, You sit there and say, okay, we didn't win the Pac-12 championship. The bowl game that we're going to go to, we're not really going to be able to go there more than 48 hours beforehand. Not going to really get to do anything. My God, we've been on campus since when, and we haven't seen our families, and there's this risk of COVID if we do hang around here. Let's just go home. And they weren't the only one to say that. Boston College, Virginia, ton of teams said we're not playing. Well, now for the Bowls to fill these slots, they have to dip down. So I told you about Mississippi four and five. South Carolina is two and eight and going to a bowl game. Two and eight. Meanwhile, Army, Army was supposed to go to the independence bowl to play. But as teams started opting out, the Independence Bowl is down on the list. And so they there weren't enough teams to fill the second slot at the Independence Bowl. What's Army's record? 9 and 2. Now you might say, "Well, why didn't one of the bowls take Army if they're 9 and 2?" Because you see these bowls are contractually obligated to go to certain conferences which is why a 2-8 and eight South Carolina team out of the SEC can go to a bowl game and Army can't. And God bless Jeff Munkin, the head coach of Army, who has said, a team gets COVID, we'll show up and replace them. We'll go anywhere and play anybody. We don't care because it's an absolute travesty that Army at 9-2 and two is sitting at home and 2-8 and eight South Carolina is going to a bowl game. What kind of system are we running here, folks? This is garbage. NFL.
0: You ready to segue to the NFL? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I told Chuck I haven't watched the Bears in two weeks, and they've won two in a row. Maybe you're the cause.
1: Do you think about that? I don't want to think that way. Your boy Mitch plays a lot better when you're not looking. Bears offense has actually been... Fairly productive. I heard that up in the hallway last week. Oh, that Mitch Trubisky is actually really good. Okay. No, he's not. But the offense, and look at who they've played, too. Okay. The Texans' defense, not exactly a giant brick wall. Stinky cheese. Nor is the Vikings. They'll get to play Jacksonville next week. And this is typical Bears, isn't it? Okay. If you had only won five games, you're going to get a better draft pick. Instead, they're going to probably wind up going 8-8, eight and eight, missing the playoffs, and getting a worse draft pick. Congratulations, Bears. <laughs> but they did win yesterday, 33-27. They are technically still in the playoff hut, sitting there at 7-7. Seven seven. If you're a Bears fan, you're rooting against the Arizona Cardinals because they are the obstacle standing between you and the playoffs. But the Cardinals finish up with the 49ers and the Chargers. The Bears finish up with the Jaguars and the Packers. I don't think it looks promising for Chicago to make the playoffs, but they could. The loss to the Lions at Soldier Field is the one that will keep the Bears out of the playoffs this year. Oh my. Meanwhile, the Colts, I don't know if you saw the end of this game. Today's password is Kiki Cootie. Kiki Cootie. 2720. Houston is driving. Fourth and five at the Colts' 18-yard line. Deshaun Watson finds Kiki Coody over the middle. How he catches this ball, I don't know. Cootie turns. He's running towards the end zone. Even if he doesn't make it in, it's going to be first down. There's still going to be about 20 seconds left. Houston's going to have time to run two or three plays to tie the game up. But Darius Leonard somehow comes from behind Coody. And punches the ball out. The ball goes rolling in the end zone. I don't know. You're probably not as psychotic as me watching a football game. <laughs> I'm not. But I bet you there's some yakophiles out there. Whenever I see a fumble, I yell, ball, 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 ball. And so I'm yelling that in my living room. And the Colts are trying to pounce on it. One or two guys look like they have it. They don't. It's still bouncing around. Finally, Somebody from Indianapolis falls on that ball in the end zone. It's a touchback, and the Colts survive and win 27-20. They're 10-4. and They have not clinched a playoff spot yet because there's so many good teams in the AFC, but it looks very promising for Indianapolis to probably have the sixth seed in the playoffs. And if, that were, if the playoffs were held today, the Colts would be playing Buffalo. Congratulations to Buffalo, by the way. For the first time since 1995, they win the AFC East. And by the way, the evil empire known as the New England Patriots will not be in your playoffs this year. Enjoy that, ladies and gentlemen. Lions got mauled by Tennessee, but what a gutty effort by Matthew Stafford. He had all kinds of injuries going into that game yesterday, and played anyway, and somebody asked him after the game, why did you play? And he basically said, you know, there's a ton of other guys on this team who are busting their butts trying to win. And he says, if I'm healthy enough, it's my responsibility to go out there and play. And God bless him for having that kind of attitude. Right. You wish more people had that attitude about work. Now I realize you don't want to go to work when you're sick and spread a virus and all that. That wasn't the case. He's banged up. He's hurt. He's in pain. But he can play, and so he did. Mm. So tip your cap to Matthew Stafford. The worst win of the day was by the New York football Jets, who go out and beat the Rams 23-20, to and in so doing probably cost themselves the number one pick of the NFL draft because right now both Jacksonville and New York – have just one win this year and the tiebreaker goes to the Jaguars so right now the Jaguars could have the number one pick and take Trevor Lawrence from Clemson if they want to I think Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville would be a lot happier than Trevor Lawrence going to New York I just don't see him as a fit in New York I could see him playing in Jacksonville now Obviously, both those teams have problems. You're going to have to put a lot around him to make things better. But after watching Trevor Lawrence on Saturday, let me reemphasize for you, he's pretty good. <laughs> he's, he's pretty good. Thank you. Also, uh, NFL tonight, it's the Steelers and the Bengals. We're getting word that Ben Roethlisberger will not only play in that game, but he's planning on coming back for his 18th NFL season next year with the Steelers, there had been some talk that he might retire. College basketball last night. Northwestern, big upset. They knocked off Michigan State, 79-65. Giant killers. Crossroads Classic was over the weekend. I don't know how much you watched or, or listened. To I that. listened
0: to the Indiana game. I watched the Notre Dame game up until football.
1: Indiana got a terrific play out of Armand Franklin, who always seems to play well in Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Let's not confuse ourselves. This is not the Butler teams that we've had of recent years. They're not that strong this year, but credit to IU. They got the win in that one, and they are now ready to get back into the Big Ten season. Purdue and Notre Dame uh, were battling back and forth. Notre Dame came out and once again played crappy defense, and Purdue took advantage of that. Sasha Stefanovic was hitting from all over the place. And then the Irish got hot from three point range, particularly the new kid, Trey Wirtz, who had a, a terrific game offensively. Uh, Dane Goodwin hit some shots. Even Nick Jogo hit an occasional three pointer. And the Irish tie it up at 53 53 in the second half. And then Purdue goes on a 9 0 run. Prentice Hub. Where are you? Prentice Hub, who Mike Brake called at the beginning of the year the leader of this team, had zero Leaders need to score. (laughs) Leaders can't allow themselves to get in a funk. Leaders need to guard people. Leaders need to distribute the ball. And, yes, leaders need to score. And leaders not pout on the floor. Prentice Hub's body language on Saturday angered me because it wasn't working for Prentice Hub and... Because it wasn't working for him, he allowed himself to get in a funk, and I think it brought the rest of his team down too. And I don't mean this as a soliloquy on Prentice Hub. He's obviously a talented player, or he wouldn't have that scholarship. But somebody needs to work with him on his mental attitude right now because he's, he's somewhere else. And the Irish are 2-4, and four, and now they go on the road to Syracuse for an ACC game on Tuesday night against a Syracuse team that's beatable, but, man, they're up and down, just like the Irish, so who knows what we're going to see tomorrow night in the Carrier Dome. But Mike Bray, that team right now is not a good defensive team at all. Strange seeing
0: uh banker's life so empty. Yeah. And I've been to that Crossroads Classic before, and it's it's all Indiana in there.
1: Oh. Just packed to the rafters, but just... Oh. Terrific facility.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, there's always a kind of a charge of excitement. It's always kind of that third Saturday of December, mm-hmm. right before Christmas. India's rocking, and it's it's just a different world that we live in right now. It it did not have that big time feel about it. But kudos to Purdue. They came out and they played well, and they have a challenge tomorrow night. They gotta go on the road and play. The third-ranked Iowa Hawkeyes and Luca Garza in a late-night game. That's going to be a tough one for Purdue. We'll see if they can handle it. Don't forget the Boilermakers play all their games on 103.1 FM, including Christmas Day. Now, you might say, well, why on earth are college kids playing on Christmas Day? Because they weren't going to get to go home anyway, and the most exciting thing they do is play games. So they pushed, you know, all these college kids watch the Christmas Day games of the NBA and they say, man, I'd love to do that once in my life. And then you realize most of these college kids aren't going to the NBA. Yeah. There might not be anybody on that Purdue team going to the NBA. So their only chance to ever have a game on Christmas Day is kind of in the middle of a pandemic when they're not sent home for Christmas. You got to be on campus anyway. Hey, let's go ahead and play. And where are they going? They'll be at Mackey Arena on Christmas against Maryland. Oh, okay. So, you know, it gives it gives the kids something
0: to do. Good for them. Has there been any talk on when fans are allowed to come back?
1: No. I mean None. let's face it, the vaccine right now is going to healthcare workers primarily. Right. Um when it's going to get distributed to the general public, I'm not sure. And then there's probably a waiting period to make sure that it takes. My understanding of the vaccine is it's actually maybe two rounds of shots. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take a while. In fact, you asked that. I just saw a piece today by Jason Stark talking about baseball season. And there's a lot of feeling around baseball that the season will not start right at the beginning of April, that they may push back a little bit and not play a 162-game schedule because they want to have fans in the stands, but they can't do it under the current parameters. Mm. Okay. Notre Dame women's basketball also had a terrible weekend. They lost at Clemson 78-55, so the women's team was only one point better than the football team. Neal Ivy's crew is struggling right now at 3-4. and four. Notre hockey lost to Michigan State yesterday, 4-3. It was not Jack Swarbrick's finest weekend, let's put it that way. So, struggles there. The good news out of hockey over the weekend is that the NHL and the Players Association came to an agreement for a 56-game schedule that will begin in mid-January. So you Blackhawks and Wings fans, you'll finally be getting your fix again after, after a wait since the Blackhawks were eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs fairly early on back in the summer. We've come to the end of our sports list. What about overrated, underrated? I what just do have, you have one today. Okay. Go ahead. Fire
0: your shot. Uh, we have a new Wonder Woman movie coming this Friday. Mm-hmm. This will be the sequel to a very successful first Wonder Woman movie
1: in the D.C. world. Was that Gal Gadot? Is that... Mm-hmm. Who played that?
0: Okay. Yeah. The Justice League movie bombed. Uh, the Batman, Superman movies kind of tanked as well. But the Wonder Woman, they seem to know what they're doing. So mm-hmm. there's some excitement there. As a whole, superhero movies, overrated or
1: underrated? Ooh. That's a pretty wide spectrum that you throw up there. Uh, superhero movies. And you go to a lot more of these than I do, mm-hmm. but I've watched a few of them. But from an outside perspective, boy, I, I just think it kind of depends on who you have playing the role, right? You know, I I enjoyed Michael Keaton as Batman. Mm-hmm. wasn't so much of Hal Kilmer Batman fan, you know. It's and I realize it's different strokes for different folks. I would say, in general, though they're always so hyped up, Corey. I would say they're a little bit overrated as a franchise, just because I don't know how you possibly meet the hype. Now, I do like the the Marvel movies. For mm-hmm. instance, Black Panther. I very much enjoyed that movie. You were surprised by how much you liked it. Yes, I was. Yeah. So
0: you hit it on the you hit the nail on the head, though. It's who's in the role and it's the story. Yeah. But it feels like Hollywood has gone to that well in the last let's go 8 years like that's all they know how to make cuz mm. if you look at like top grossing movies of all time it's heavily loaded with superhero oh, movies yeah. now. Oh
1: yeah, I I can believe that. But,
0: you know, I'm not a fan of when you've got uh, Chris Evans playing the Human Torch in uh Fantastic Four movie 20 20 years ago and then he's captain America for 10 years you know I, I wish they I mean there's got to be more actors out there that can step up and do what they need to do but you would think yeah you would think why do you keep using this person for that and
1: it's like they are they're already yeah. well yeah and, and you wonder if it's if it's a thing where they uh Ryan they, Reynolds Green Lantern and Deadpool and and see to me Ryan Reynolds just isn't a superhero kind of guy. Yeah. You know, now, what actor is? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not a casting director. So I guess I'm a little bit like these fans who sit there and say, well, <laughs> you know, they should be better. But... You gonna go overrated? I'm gonna go slightly overrated,
0: yeah. I am, get ready for it, going to agree with you. Wow. Slightly overrated. I think... They try too hard. You know, it's like, well, we've got a we've got a hit with this right here, so let's duplicate it as quickly as possible and get some more like this next Marvel phase. There's some stuff there I'm just not excited about, and I love Marvel, but it's like you're making a movie out of that guy? Really? <laughs> Put him on Disney Plus. <laughs> give him 8 episodes there and let him work it out.
1: But, you know, but I'll still go. So, let me go with A musician here. Okay. Warren Zevon.
0: I know I have friends that are fans of his big time. I know him only from Werewolves of London. I don't know that I could name another song.
1: I know Letterman was a big fan. Yes. And had him on the show a lot. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm like you. I'm kind of like, okay, well, there's that. But what else has Warren Zevon done? And I just always feel like he's kind of uh, rode that song to whatever stardom he's had. And the fact that he's just kind of a little bit out there as a personality. But I tend to think he's overrated.
0: Yeah, you would think that that one song would blow open the doors for other opportunities. I don't think uh, either people just didn't catch on to it or the songs didn't live up to how good that song was. Was that song a great song? i'm okay with it around halloween time
1: yeah that's about it yeah (laughs) i'm gonna go uh overrated okay as an artist so we've gone overrated on both things today yes in that segment
0: so christmas is just around the corner so we're going to give you a very special episode for number 270 oh i just did the math 270
1: yeah we are going to replay uh many of the highlights from our Tom Rinaldi episode. I don't know if you've seen it in the uh, social media world or in the papers, but Tom is leaving ESPN to go to Fox Sports, beginning his last assignment with ESPN will be the Rose Bowl game Hmm. between Notre Dame and Alabama, helping bring this episode full circle. But Tom will be going over to Fox Sports, doing a lot of the kinds of things that he's done for ESPN, but doing them in different sports and in different venues than he's been in. So, Tom was a friend of mine at WNDU. We've stayed in contact over the years. I sent him a congratulatory text the other day, and he sent back a very nice text in reply. And so we'll hear that episode again on Wednesday, episode 270.
0: Thanks for listening. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode in 2021. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga Muhammad Ali. He's the GOAT. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Shack. Sport SportCheck. Shack Sport is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done?